When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this next installment. First, uh, if you may not have known, Star Talk, which we've been running for many, many years now, has a new spin-off program called Playing with Science. Because we recognized that there was a subset of our fan base who loved the science, the science of sports shows that we did for Star Talk. At, you know, football, baseball, hockey, soccer. And so we figured let's create our own subdivision of Star Talk called Playing with Science. And your main host there, or Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, man. How are you? Dude. Yes. Dude. Good to see a you. Gary, you're, you're in from the UK. Yes. Hi, just everybody. before they separated. We got you just before. <laughs> we, right. well, not, Gary made his own Brexit. <laughs> yeah. I, what, I, what they did was they sent me over to the US with a long rope. And at this present moment, we're just tugging the UK towards the USA, <laughs> right. away from France. It's very gentle, very slow, but we're getting there. So, Gary, Raleigh, they are the two hosts, and I'm kind of interloping now because I'm the resident uh, astrophysicist. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're talking about baseball and pitching, yeah. and dude, we got you here. This is great. I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be here, and thanks for coming, guys. Man, man, and you've. Uh, so one of the reasons why people make themselves available is because, like, they have a book. <laughs> and so you, you got a book that just came out. Oh, know? I did. I don't have to talk about that, though. Well, I'm not, like, let's not on. take any time Good. away from the science. Let's not do that. He does like, not have a book out. I like it's called that. Failure in Time from the Biggest Game of My Life. I love okay. that. Gary's the guy that you go to dinner with, and you're like, let me get this. He's like, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 14 years 14-year career? Yes. And uh, in that, I, my, my crack team of researchers, 136 wins, 116 losses. Yes. All right. So that's, that's, it's good to be on the upper side of 500 in this game. Absolutely. Good. Good. Uh, 13 shutouts. Nice. Okay. 1,590 strikeouts. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, we'll tell you. We'll tell you more. <laughs> How many times you scratched your balls? That was another one here. Sorry. 5,600. I'm from the school. The longer I look at my stats the least impressed I get oh. over the years. So okay, yeah, you just uh, don't 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 look then. Yeah, no, no, we're, we're we're good. So let me ask you something. Uh, we what we try to do is mix science with everything we see in life and in pop culture, and find it if you didn't even know it was there. And so what I always want to know, you as a professional baseball player, were you ever thinking about the science of the pitch at all, or is it just kind of you feeling it and you just going with the flow. No, I think you think about the science all the time. I mean, it depends on, I guess, who you are and what you like out of the game. I mean, you're trying to, uh, at some point, spin a baseball. Um, the more revolutions it has, uh -huh. the better pitch it's going to be. So mm -hmm. you try to maximize that. Better as in more confusing to the batter. More confusing mm -hmm. to the batter, <laughs> more break. Um, you're, not, you're not only full with that. But break you, is, just in case we have yeah, new yeah. listeners, break would be, there's the trajectory you think the ball has coming in and where it actually lands as it crosses the plate. Yes. And That's the break. Yeah, the break 
brake, and, and also you can change the brake by your grip. So if you want it 12 to 6, you're more on top of the baseball, getting the seams to turn over 12 to 6. And if you've only used digital clocks before, <laughs> yeah, no one yeah. will have any idea that's what that right, sentence that's meant. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You got a kid, couple kids in the How old are you? You're 13. He does not know what 12 to 6 means. I'm trying to know. Okay. North to south? I bet does he that does. Still work? <laughs> I bet that young man does not exactly. He does look kind of smart, yeah. so he would know and it for he's that wearing reason. A, he's, in there. he's actually wearing a Patek Philippe watch, so I don't know how rich you are, young man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his fault. It's passed down. Yeah, yeah, oh, passed right. down. That's correct. Right, Ron. <laughs> so go on. So 12 to 6 would be top to bottom. Top to yeah. bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you change your position on the ball, you can have it more where it goes from, I can't say the clock now, but uh, from two to eight. Um, mm-hmm. So you can change how the, how the pitch breaks. Um, one thing I tried really hard to do, and I never could do it, um, is the thing that we called carry. When you throw a fastball, four seams, just by gravity alone, the ball at some point is going to fade. It's going to start to work its way away from the intended target. You worked on carry so that the ball would finish. If you finished your pitches, the ball, instead of fading, which the hitter is going to see and say, boy, that ball's going to fade out of the strike zone, it had carry. So it would stay on that line and the hitter would be fooled, take the pitch for a strike, and it would be a strikeout. And they'd look at you. Like, how'd you do that? What the hell did you do? For, do wait, so is this, is this what they call a rising fastball? That's what they call because, a rising fastball. Because they don't actually rise. They just simply don't fall they as don't much fall. as they could. So your perception, since you, we all have a native, because we grew up in earth gravity, right. we have a sense of the rate at which things fall. Mm-hmm. Even if we're not calculating that, That's you right, just yeah. have a sense of it. 9.8 so, uh, centimeters per second squared. Somebody has some physics one on one. Actually, it'd be 980 centimeters per second, 9.8 meters per second. Squared. Okay, thank you. Stupid. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the resident astrophysicist? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right. But you know what? That ain't a bad thing when Neil deGrasse Tyson calls you stupid. <laughs> no, that's right. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Stay in your lane, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, so, guys, do we have a clip of seeing, seeing Ron pitch? Do we, have, do we got a clip? Yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah, could, you, you have... could you introduce it? Because I haven't seen it. Sure. Okay. So uh, what we like to do on the show uh, whenever we, we start the show is we, what we do is we kind of unpack a single play and then uh, kind of need the dough and stretch out the science from there. Uh, but since we have Ron here, uh, you know, Ron actually was in a game where he struck out Rick Camp. And apparently it was a huge deal because Rick Camp was supposed to serve him his lunch or something. Um, <laughs> but but or of dinner. course, yeah. uh, he sits him down and uh, this is the last pitch and the call from the announcer. So let's hear it. We're in. There's the pitch. Ooh, a devastating swing by Camp. And then you see Ron Darling being carted off on the shoulders of all of the other players. <laughs> but isn't this like for radio? So how we how's this going to work? Well, well, I have to be very descriptive. T- I just told everybody what okay. happened. <laughs> you know, okay. So just, the batter swung. Right. And I swear the bat missed the ball by six inches. Yeah. And that's that's what they call fanning. A batter like that right. guy. He didn't no just, contact. Right, he <laughs> didn't just miss the ball. Like it's almost like he was trying to swing. Uh, it's like he was trying to beat somebody up that wasn't there. You know? <laughs> swing at a at a phantom ball. A right. pinata swing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good one. I like that pinata. Yeah, because the pi- pinata is bigger than the bat itself. That's right. So, but yeah, and he's and but he's not hitting the ball. So, so do you, do you have a 
foresight that as the, the ball leaves your hand, it's an awesome pitch and they're just going to miss it? Um, I, I think what happens, and I don't know if this is science for you folks out there, but every sequence of pitches puts you in a position to make a pitch that it's going to be the correct pitch. Really? If you Ooh, make that correct pitch, you know... Ninety nine percent of you knows mm-hmm. that that ball is not going to be. And, 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 and Ron, is that because you're is, is that kind of a mental chess match that you're playing with the batter? Uh, is that because you faced him before and he's anticipating something and then you do something differently? Or is it just a general psychology that, you know, if I have this pattern, one, two, three curveball and then uh, fastball or one, two, three fastball and then off speed that I'm going to get you? You know, I think it's a combination of all. All those things. I, I think that what happens within the framework of a net bat is that you are trying to set the batter up to a point where the pitch that is coming can't be thought of before, can't be anticipated, uh, can't be put in play. And if you do it correctly um, as a pitcher, you really are playing chess. Uh-huh. But on the bad days, it's more like Chinese checkers. It's just kind of <laughs> right. trying to figure you stuff out. You did lose 118, <laughs> exactly. 116 games here. Exactly. So, do, you, yeah. do you get halfway through the pitch and go, I've seen something I don't like, and go into a different mode of change of thought or process? That, you mean that, in the wind-up you're talking about? Yeah, yeah oh. that, that's a great question. Yeah, there are times when you get to the top of your wind-up where your leg is as high as it's going to be, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to have kind of a balanced position before you proceed to the plate, and you're like, shit. I'm in a little bit of trouble here. <laughs> that was the moment I was really trying to get to. That particular moment. How to articulate and, that moment. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And has that ever been because your leg was so high that you actually just did that? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Not to shit. That, yeah, that, that never happened, thank God. Uh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, if you're a batter, probably how many have never faced you before? They've all got your pattern. So I know if you're going to go one, two, three, fourth one's going to come at me in a certain way. How many people... Wait, wait Gary, oh. it works both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, absolutely. The, the batter has seen the pitcher, mm. and often you get a fresh batter, a rookie, you know, not just a rookie, first time at bat, and they hit a triple or a home run, and, oh, here's the next great player. No, they just haven't seen him yet. That's right. Right. Yeah, you guys right. just know yeah. how to pitch to him yet. You uh, know, I think that happens in, like, a lot of sports, because uh-huh. even in, in football, you, when you have a young quarterback who defenses haven't seen, that quarterback often his first two or three games, everybody's like, this guy is a phenom. He's amazing. And all the defenses <laughs> around the league are like, just wait, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. So yeah. true. The analysts haven't got to him yet. Right, they cut that tape up just quite yet. I think, I think also knowledge can be uh, your enemy. You know, oh, really? um, in, yeah. in a sense that you don't say that in front of me. Uh, knowledge, <laughs> okay. okay, just whisper, no, whisper that knowledge can be your enemy in the sense of too much knowledge. You have so much that at some point I call it double thinking. Uh, you're facing a batter. You faced them before. You know exactly how to get him out. And some part of your brain says, wait a minute, he's got to catch on. I mean, I've been doing this to, for four and five years. He's got to catch on at some point. Let me try something different. A ringing double off the off the fence, and you're like, I double think there. I should have just stayed with what was working. <laughs> so uh, we can break down the the path of the, we can break down the forces Ooh. on on the ball. So so the mound. Remind me how high the mound is relative to the rest of the field. Uh, yeah, uh, fifteen feet. Well, no, was, no, how tall the mountain is above the oh, ground. Oh, sorry, 15 inches. 15 inches, yeah, okay. And I re- I'm old enough to remember that when the mountain so was... That would be so cool if it was 15 feet. 
So oh I my know god, that'd fish. be the coolest game ever. It'd be called beanball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I, I'm old enough to remember when the mound was taller than that. That's right. And they wanted to give more an advantage to the batters just to get more action in the game. I think I made a mistake. It was 15 inches in 1968 when all the all the twelve inches now. There it is. So so that reduced the advantage. I just love the fact that Neil knew that it was 12 inches, but he's was gonna let Ron so just kind stay at 15. <laughs> he's just like, yo, dude, you're a major league baseball player. You don't know how high now right. is. I can't help you I'm if not, you don't right. even he's know cool. that. <laughs> right. So, so there's, there's not only that, and there's so much written about tall pitchers, even though they're not always necessarily the best. When I, I, I'm thinking of who's the, the guy from Boston, oh. um, the short pitcher. Sure, he was Pedro, short. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. How, he couldn't have been more than 5'10". Yeah, 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, yeah, around there. And he had awesome pitchers, uh, pitches. So, 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 but let's go with this. So you got a 12-inch mound. Uh, there's a tall pitcher. Your arm is high up before you release it. So now you have the speed of the ball, gravity pulling it down. You have the spin that you put on it. And then the aerodynamic forces that influence its trajectory. So all of this is going on. And so I love the way uh, uh, the way Chuck thought of it as this chess match between you and the batter. And so, uh, so, so what, what I like about baseball, and I, I wonder if people thought about this, if it is humid out, okay, it will be lower atmospheric pressure than it if it is dry air, because for every molecule of dry air, what's the air we breathe? It's got oxygen, that's 21%, and mostly nitrogen. Okay, mm-hmm. nitrogen molecule, which is N2, two nitrogens attached together. So the, the, stay with me on this because it's worth it, I promise. Okay, <laughs> so, so just watch this. So nitrogen, ha- the number of m- particles in its nucleus is 14. So it has seven protons, seven neutrons. You have two nitrogen atoms together. It's 14 plus 14. So nitrogen weighs 28 in these units, okay? Mm-hmm. If you swap a nitrogen molecule with a water molecule, because now you have humidity in the air, water is what? We all know, H2O. So H, its weight is one, because it has one proton in the middle, and I have two of those, it's two. And we've got an O, one O, which is oxygen, and its weight is 16. So the, in these units, nucleon units, the weight of, an, of a water molecule is 16 plus two is 18. The weight of a nitrogen molecule is 28. So if you if you're moving through air and breathing air that has any humidity in it at all, it weighs less than dry air. And so because of this, there'll be less air pressure to help you in a pitch. That's my point. Wow. Really? Yes. And That's I don't amazing. know it if pitchers think about this. It does this. seem counterintuitive because yeah. when you breathe humid air. You think it's heavy. It's thick. Heavy, yeah. You don't yeah. stick. Yeah. So, yeah. But so not awesome. only That's great. will a pitch curve less. In humid air, a ball can be hit farther in humid air because the air weighs less. So the, the mass of the drag on the ball as it plows through the air will be less because mm-hmm. the air doesn't weigh as much because you have water molecules sitting in its place. And, and I don't know if, people, if they thought about this. I, I'm thinking every baseball player I've ever met, including myself, think exactly the opposite. The opposite. Exactly the opposite. In, in moist air... A ball can be hit farther because there's less drag on it, That's and right. because there's less drag, your curveballs won't curve as much. Okay, you have to. You need cold. Uh, you need uh, dry air 
in any case, and cooler air even more so. Now, what, when people talk about Colorado, which is at mm-hmm. mile high, that's another that's why, another example. Why there. doesn't the ball curve there? Do you think? No, for the same reason. The same yeah, reason. when you're a mile Sorry. high up, there's less atmospheric pressure. So, 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 so in the limit, thin air or dry air gives you the same effect. No, no, thin air or thin air because you swapped the molecule out. Right. Okay. Or low pressure air because you're at high altitude. Okay. Both of those will reduce your ability to throw a curveball. Wow. And so, and so. What I wonder is, if you're not thinking this, and then you have a game, so I had a bad day today, maybe it was all atmospheric, and you weren't factoring that into how you should have handled that game. I'm just trying to figure out how to get rid of some of those 116 losses. Like, okay. <laughs> so, let's find out how many were in Colorado. <laughs> I can figure somehow I can get maybe to 82. Oh, yeah, yeah. After the fact, fix, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, fix the books. That's right. Yeah, that was a weather loss, <laughs> not because you didn't know what you were doing. That was an atmospheric right. pressure loss. <laughs> right. That one's not on me. That's something else. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite pitch? One that you went, you know what, no matter what's going on, this is going to do the job. You know, um, pitches, pitchers change over time because your skills when you're 24 are not the same when they're 30 now or 32. That's interesting. Your evolution of your, your, your pitching style changes as your career progresses. Yeah, and I, I broke my thumb in 87, which um, when you throw a curveball, when you throw a good curveball, you're able to tuck your thumb, okay? <laughs> so you pull on the seam and you push with the thumb. Pull and push, pull and push. But because I broke my thumb, I had to pitch straight with it and I could never get that revolution again so why did you change. break your thumb uh, I was diving for a bunt that and that. Oh, oh so so you earned it then I, I earned oh, it okay. oh I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. it was diving in the Caribbean no no <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he was diving for a bunt but he also owed some people a lot of money oh there you go where did you go there and they got thumbs yeah. to take care of Charlie the they took my thumb Charlie <laughs> they told they told me not to go to Bensonhurst that night I didn't even think about it so <laughs> But. Okay, diving for a bunt. That's so noble. Wait a minute. Very me, noble. Ron, can you show that again? So for those of I'm you watching who are, from this who angle? are not here, okay. oh this my is gosh. the most uncomfortable position that you could be in. So when you throw a curveball, yeah. so you right now, for those of you listening, Ron has two fingers across the top of two seams at where the seams come together at the mm. most narrow point of the ball. Mm-hmm. And then underneath that, instead of wrapping your thumb, which would be like the way you would think yeah. that you then would you do throw it, which your is best. you take come the underneath. flat part of your thumb where the where the fingerprint is, put it up under the ball, and you throw it. No. What he did was take his thumb in the most unnatural position possible, which is bending it back towards the end of his hand, and put it under the ball, and that's how you throw that thing so every time? it's at his knuckle. Kinked yeah. at his knuckle. Yeah. You pull with your middle finger, push with your thumb, and I know people can't see this because it's on radio, right. but I have a scar on my thumb uh, from throwing that pitch still today. Yeah. Like Ooh. a long scar because it, it used to sit right on that seam and it would rip it all the time. Mm-hmm. And you'd leave a game many times with this bleeding. And wow. That's, that's called a blood ball. The old blood ball. How long did it take does you? Does that change the uh, rotation of the ball when you put a little blood yeah, on yeah, it? Yeah, and uh, is that legal? It, it is. It's a vampire ball, they call it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it scares them just enough. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. How long does it take you to master a whole series of different pitches. I mean, you might have some natural talent as a young player, but then, as you said, your style evolves throughout your career. Do you find that you can change your pitches as you progress? I think that's one of the great things about pitching. I've heard that about people who play golf. There's no mastering. You know, it is is a continued search for perfection that'll never come. Mm. And that's uh, the the most difficult and beautiful part of trying to pitch. But, so, but some pitchers, uh, I think uh, Mario Rivera among them, yeah. was not known for having a large repertoire of pitches. A one pitch, yeah, basically a one pitch guy, and people still had a hard time hitting it. So, it's it can't be just a rule that the more pitches you have, the more effective you can be. Well, I, I think um, the ability to control movement. So we've talked about how the ball moves and doesn't move. Um, One of the things that's very difficult is controlling movement. You've got to be able to control it. It's great to have the ball move, but you've got to be able to control it so it moves three inches instead of four and a half. It's got to be able to break. Gary, inches are about the width of your thumb. Just so he's a Brit, so we got. No, no, we do. We're, we're still imperial. Inches? We are, we're we're yeah, drifting towards the inches. states, so we're, we're, we're inch we're inch happy. We're, yeah, we've never been really they're embraced centimeters. Going, they're actually going back to inches. <laughs> yeah, that Brexit is. Gotcha. Back to inches. We never left. <laughs> okay. we, the old country never left inches. We sort of to the centimeters, so we still have gallons and all sorts of things. Okay, like that. okay. Yeah, so yeah, we don't yeah. have to translate for the, for yeah, you. We're, good. we're, we're so. not at all stubborn or <laughs> set in our ways. So, so a couple more more points here um if you allow me to reflect on this one of my favorite films just because it was a head trip just to watch and to experience was for the love of the game and it was like the 10th baseball movie by by um, kevin costner Costner. how many baseball movies can the guy make Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with the film and i'll leave out many of the details he's a he's a he's an aging pitcher and the entire movie is inside his head during a game that he's pitching. And he's pitching this game very well. And what I did not appreciate what you guys do on the mound until I saw that film. Mm. Because you're in his head and he's, and he's saying, 
oh, hey, Joey, no, in his head. Hey, Joey, it's been a while since we both came up at the same time. I remember you never, you, you know, you never swung at the first pitch. You just never did. Okay, so bam, threw a, str a strike right down the middle, a meatball right down the middle, and he looks at it for a strike. So, every, so I'm thinking, you're just trying to throw it, but no, the mind wow. game, I, fi I finally appreciated mm. deeply what this chess match really is. You, you know, what's interesting is that people ask me all the time, um, um, do you remember pitches you threw in a game? And, um, and I try to explain it, if you have children, you remember everything about your child, right? Because you're, it's so dear to you. I can remember every pitch um, I've ever thrown in a game. If you tell me uh, Wrigley Field in 1984, you faced the Cubs, you gave up three home runs, um, you were knocked out in five and a third, a guy threw beer on you as you were coming off the field. What did you throw to say in the third at bat? Boom, I can tell you. Exactly every pitch. Wow. Where the Ladies and gentlemen, went, that's incredible, miss. by the way. But absolutely. Tell us about all 116 of your losses. <laughs> 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 to, try to, to understand this. No run support. <laughs> atmospheric. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're listening to Playing With Science, a yes. new spinoff of Star Talk. And I'm your interloper host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your resident <laughs> astrophysicist. But we've got Gary O'Reilly and Chuck Nice. You're the main dudes here. And, and who do we have with us? Ron Darling yes. of the New York Mets. The one and only. <laughs> the one and only. And you had the privilege and honor of pitching for the 1986 World Champion uh, season. So did you guys feel that the whole season going? Or do you have, there's a certain inevitability to your... To the mixture of talent yeah. that makes the, the championship team. Were you a team of destiny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I, you know what's, what's interesting about uh, when you're on a team that's special is that it really, um, it kind of changes uh, how you're going to feel about those people forever. You're in the room. You know something special is going on. Yeah. I, I don't know because I'm not an actor, but I'm sure if you're in a hit show, it's kind of the same deal is that um, you know not only is everyone special in the room, but you also know that, hey, whatever happens, I'm there and you're there for me. Just and, family. Just and once family. you have that feeling, uh, it, it never leaves. Before 86, it was a 19... Uh, the, 60, the amazing 69. Yeah. 69. Yeah. The amazing, the, the amazing Mets. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm born in the Bronx, so I'm fundamentally a Yankee fan. Just forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong company. Feel free to boo. Feel free to boo guys. Come on, let it out. I just know that if we go more than eight years without a championship, we're pissed off. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's so how spoiled we are. So, true. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's move forward into your the later seasons and even just now if you you're a sports commentator now yes. and the could you react to the role of the application of science to sports today to training to the analysis the statistics baseball has always had statistics but now it's reached some other like dimension That's of right. statistics. That's right. Uh, what's your reaction to it? Does that add to the game or take away from the game from the old days? I, I think it definitely adds to the game. I think the analytics or saber metrics of the game, the math of the game, um, just adds to uh, your knowledge of the game. That being said, um, numbers can be used in so many different ways. And um, how you use them, uh, let's say we all get the same numbers about whatever we're doing. We're all going to apply data. We're same data. We're all going to apply it uh, in a different way. And I think the ones that can apply it, that have the combination of the data, also factoring the human factor, yeah. the ones that do it the best with both are the ones that are better teams. You know what? Speaking of that, so tell me how you feel about um, 
when you when you talk about that kind of data, uh, Moneyball to, per se, and the book and, and the movie, the book. And, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have to give me a review, but I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> even though I would appreciate it, Ron no, Darling the, gives it five stars. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But five no, the, 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 the actual, you know, uh, the actual use of it as a recruiting and as a GM putting together a team. Uh, do you see the validity of it? Yeah. Well, I, I think the interesting thing about Moneyball is that you have to put it in historical context. It was a team that did not have a lot of money to spend on players, so had to find a new way or a new player that could give them a chance of success that no one else was really factoring in. The on-base percentage, something that's been around for forever, yeah. had never been looked at as a real plus on a ball club until Billy Bean kind of take uh, the GM of the Oakland A's. Yeah. Uh, by the way, when I grew up, that. There was no on-base percentage. That's right, yeah. It's not a yeah. thing. That's right. right. It was just never given. And when they finally came over, they said, hey, that's kind of, that, I like that. That's- well, when they talk about pitchers, pitchers, they always talk about whip, right? Walks and hits per innings pitched. Well, that's always been around. And uh, you knew that if you gave up a lot of walks and a lot of hits, you're not a very good pitcher. So that's a, <laughs> you don't really need the number. You quantify how bad <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Exactly. <laughs> now they can, yeah, exactly. So you, you mentioned sabermetrics and then Billy Bean. Billy was a teammate of yours yes. in the Mets. And uh, am I not mistaken, Sandy Alderson is GM currently. So this thing's really quite circular. They're the, they're, they're the, 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 the genesis of Sabermetrics and Moneyball in the Oakland A's. Yet they've got such a connection to the Mets and even to you. Well, well, well that's a great question. And, and what happened, why Billy really took this on, is that Billy Bean was in the, a first-round pick of the New York Mets the same year they drafted a kid named Daryl Strawberry, uh-huh. who ended up being a fantastic player. They were separated by 25 picks in the first round. So you would think if Daryl Strawberry is one of the greatest of all time or a great, great player, that Billy's got to be somewhere within that planet. Of, uh, of players. Nice and, analogy. In front uh, of you, and, you get points for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't. He, he was a failure. And what he was trying to do, I think, initially was trying to understand with the mathematics of the game mm-hmm. how he was a failure. How could that happen? Oh, wow. Whoa. Oh, that's so it came out of his... That's like trying to figure out why thing my came father out doesn't him. love me. <laughs> it was, it was, Quantitatively. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Because he had, he, we, we've discussed here yeah. with pitching and the whole center of pitching. And me, as, as a complete layman to baseball, understands everything is controlled for you. And everything Billy didn't have in his game at that time was control. Well, well I think what, what, what happened is he's, he's looking at himself and people who scout the game. Mm-hmm. So the scouts of the game, when they look at a guy like Billy Bean, 6'4", 195 pounds, right. had a full scholarship to All Stanford. There. If you put it in the computer, it spits out star. And he was not a star. So he was trying to understand how his team mm-hmm. could get a, a, a bit of an edge by looking at players, not because they look beautiful, but, but they play beautiful. Right. And uh, that's where it started. But now think about this. I mean, because you said, well, he was a failure. But don't you have to consider the baseline? Because to get to the level of play where you guys play, you are an infinitesimal a portion of the entire global population. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all—it's like so small, the sliver of people. Another way to think about that, every person in professional sports was the best ever in their high school. Right. Yeah. And one of the best ever in college. Right. And now they're all in this now pinnacle. Right. And, and, and now you now you that separates out. Exactly. And now are you the best of, of the, the best? best? Of the best. Of the best. Of the best. Of the best. Right. And so, you know, how do you... 
you know, how do you qualitatively yeah. break that down when you're starting with such an elite base to begin with? So, yeah, Billy Bean, failure on that level. Yeah. But let's look at him as a mere mortal. He's a god. Right. Okay. Right, right. That's right. I, I, you know, I was just thinking the, the sheer numbers, probably it's tougher to be a supermodel. But as far as professional okay. athletes are concerned. <laughs> Fewer supermodels exa- than professional exa- baseball yeah, players. But they yeah. don't have to practice. Th- this is. This well, yeah, is, yes, they do. <laughs> what? I see them in the gym. They're there. They're, oh, really? Oh. Completely. No, I'm in walking. What gym do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the way you think. He's like, what gym do you go to? See, you know, you know you, you, hands up if anyone else had that thought. <laughs> yeah, you go. <laughs> uh, the, the the point you make is great, and I think the the great preparation I had for it uh-huh. is um, I went to Yale in New Haven, and I was the best student at my school. Everyone in I went at high school, everyone I went to college with was the best student in their high school, their hamlet, their town, whatever. Mm-hmm. Baseball's the same way. Right. Baseball, you were the, the best player from Oklahoma. I was the best player from Millbury, Massachusetts, a right. small town. And what happens is you're thrown into the scrum and you kind of have to... Nice rugby it, reference there. there yeah. you yeah. Yeah. I'm on it. You're on it, on it, on it. And you kind of have to just survive right. somehow survive through all all of this talent and it's not only the it's not always the most talented who make it through and uh that's exactly that's exactly why i went to community college <laughs> <laughs> okay so <laughs> i was a star <laughs> so i think we go back to winston churchill when he says many are called few are chosen that would be why the elite are exactly that, the elite. If we go back to... Wait, Gary, that's why we have you on the show, to get Winston Churchill quotes. I know. (laughs) Stick around. Between (laughs) midday and one would do Shakespeare. Well, we love that. Stick around if that's your thing. Quoting your people. Yeah, so the the other thing is, it's it's okay to have all of these statistics and all these numbers, but is it not more important the question you ask of them? that will make the big difference. Well, I, I think, Neil, what you were talking about before with the love of the game is... It's is the film, that, yeah. That, the, the film with Kevin Costner. That is kind of where it's all separated. It's that you're able to process all of this information, but process it very quickly. If you watch... And he pitches the best game of his life, and he's not in his youth when he does in, it. It's, yeah. it's, he knows that it's the last chance for him to pitch a great game. Yeah. And uh, and all the factors that have kind of worked during the movie put him in this position of maybe being able to do something really special for the last time. So, so what you're saying is uh, that quote is really correct, that 90% of the game is half mental. Yeah, <laughs> Yogi. That's, uh, that's Yogi Berra Yogi quote. Berra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Yogi, you've evoked one of my heroes. <laughs> Yogi Berra. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of Star Talks, playing with science. And Ron Yes! Whoa! All right. We're back playing with science, and our special guest today, Mets star Ron Darling, yes. pitcher, pitcher yes. in the 1986 World Series. We handed him a ball earlier, and it has not left his hand I know, since. I know. I would have just put it down and went on with my life, mm-hmm. but it's, you can't put down a baseball. You, you know what it is? I'm just uh, manipulating it and feeling it, and thinking to myself, the ball is different than when I played. The seams are not as much uh, as high as when I played. They always say this: it's not like it used to be. <laughs> no, no, the no. Game, we played in the snow uphill. Yeah. No, I'm saying it probably had an advantage when I played. The ball's uh, uh, slicker. It looks a little slicker. 
clicker. And, and, and in the day, you used to be able to pick at the seams <gasps> and make them rise. And if you picked at them enough while you're waiting for the sign from your catcher, you could make it rise so you got a little more grip Get on the ball. Grip. Oh. Can't do and, that. And does that also give you a little more action? Gives you a little more action. It's probably not 100% legal, but uh, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of what you do. 92.5% legal. <laughs> so action, well, but it would give you action that you then wouldn't necessarily be able to predict, but that's okay because then neither can the batter. But you know what count it is. So if it's a 3-2 pitch where you need to throw a strike, you wouldn't pick at the seams to get more action. But if it was an 0-2 pitch where you needed the guy to swing at a ball in the dirt, you want as much action as you can get. You guys are so evil, wow, you look pitchers. Look at that, man. <laughs> See, what you've that just witnessed so here cool. when, with Ron holding that ball, and I'm, I'm a former professional soccer player, and the most powerful thing in the world is a soccer ball in an empty room. Am I right with that? No, so the most He can't let it go because <laughs> it just evokes so much of what's been wonderful in your life. So you just, when he's sitting there holding it, it's not like a comforter. It's just something's going off mentally, isn't it? You're getting a little bit of something from years gone by. It's not are, like are, that. You having, are you having flashbacks right now? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the, yeah, because I'm, remi- I'm reminded of all the 116 losses. Yeah, 116 right losses. <laughs> there got to be at least some bad flashbacks in there. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. I, you know what I was thinking when I was holding the ball? I was thinking that in my youth... Uh, my hands were thinner. Uh, my hands. Uh, I shook your hand. You got some pudgy hands. Yeah, right now. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, so I, I felt like, like my ability to, to manipulate the baseball felt a lot different than it does now. It feels mm. like the ball kind of manipulates me. So. Yeah. Ooh, that okay. okay. So these are nightmares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's for another show, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you something. In in your day, uh, so I, baseball and maybe golf are the only sports where. For many, in baseball, there are many positions where you can still have a pouch, a belly pouch, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're still and you can still be good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not maybe a, a lineman in, in in football, perhaps, but most other sports you, you can't carry around that much body fat. Right. All right, so I, I don't have a problem with that. What that says is you carry a skill that doesn't only emanate from your physical fitness. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And as they say, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs on beer and hot dogs, yeah. not on steroids. So I get that. But today, you know, there's so much physiology technology mm-hmm. that goes into training. And has that made players better or just has that, has, if that makes everybody better, then no one really has an advantage anymore. And is there training you can do as a pitcher? Well, well, it certainly is, and, and it's really changed in, in my 30 years uh, of playing and now, and now watching the game. Um, when I was a kid, you were told not to drink water during a workout. <laughs> you were told not to lift weights. That would hurt your arm. Pitcher, as a pitcher? As a pitcher. Mm. Pitchers were only uh, told to do two things, throw and to run. And not to and not to stop running. Did they also tell you to smoke cigarettes a lot? Uh, you know, you, you know, it's funny. My generation of player, almost everyone smoked. I mean, I didn't smoke, but almost all of the players that I played with smoked. And now I think nobody smokes, right. which yeah, is okay. which is a good thing. I, um, I think it's like anything else. There, there's there's a third of the guys that are working out like you've never seen people work out. There's some of the guys that sometimes work out, and then there's a third of the guys that are really doing nothing. But now now they can monitor things like your oxygen up. Take and, right. and measure, you know, your carbon dioxide exhalations, and That's know right. exactly physiologically what's happening in your body. And and their athletes getting instructions that are so fine tuned to their to their physical fitness. And I'm saying, okay, you're getting physically fit, but does that make you better at this sport? 
that's what I kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, I think oh. I think over over time because there was they, I'm yeah. saying, keep interrupting there no. was Michael Jordan at the top of his game right. he goes to play baseball and he's a 217 hitter or whatever yeah, it yeah. was mm-hmm. so just because you are at the top of your physical fitness doesn't mean jack and I, I visit again I'm still talking here no 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 I gotta, Go I gotta get this out of me no. so uh, I think I mentioned this on another on another episode uh, I love that when MLB brings around their trucks and the and they you know it's they celebrate the sport and you you know you can buy baseballs and they have a pitching cage and this sort of thing. So I go there to see how fast I could throw yeah. the ball. I'm a physically fit guy, yeah. all right. I didn't play baseball, but I used to wrestle and I rode. Yeah. I did stuff. Yeah. And I got the ball. And I said I got this, and they got the 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 the, the speedometer. What do you call it? The, the radar, uh, gun. radar gun. The radar gun. Yeah. And, uh, speedometer. Yeah, that'd be great if the ball had its own speedometer in it. <laughs> and so I said I got this, and I threw the ball as hard as I could. And it was like 78 miles an hour. And that's like a slow pitch in your world. And I thought to myself, whoa, you guys are doing something I don't even know about and I will never know about. And so I just want that just I'm just wanted more props to what you guys do and how you do it. If my fastest pitch is your slow ball, it, it's it's a it's it's such a combination of things um, in a wind up. There's probably 25 things that have to all click and go right for you to be able to throw the ball 95 miles an hour. What's your top fastball? Uh, when I when I played, I threw 95, mm-hmm. 96 miles an hour. By the end of my career, around 90 mark. Okay. Um, but uh, to, to give you an example, uh, Dwight Gooden, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game for mm-hmm. the Mets, used to throw 96 plus. Daryl Strawberry, who was our right fielder, who had one of the best arms in the game, used to always kid him that he could easily throw over 90 miles per hour. We had a radar gun in Montreal. Daryl has had one of the greatest arms, got on the mound. He threw five pitches. None of them broke 80. Broke 80. Wow. None of them broke 80. Whoa. So there's... there's, and, there's and is, that, is that the mechanics? Because you're standing still, you're on the mound, you have to do a wind-up. Whereas when you're in the outfield, you can give you a grab running. a ball, That's you right. run, you throw with your entire body. And, and, it so, does, and you're not trying to hit the inch. You're right, trying to exactly. get in, in the cross-sectional area of the catcher's mitt, you know, as they can try to re- recover the ball. That's right. So, so I don't feel so bad if I threw the same speed as Daryl Strawberry. So you're good. Not quite, you're, by the you're way. Good. Don't start putting yourself in the... No, the I said... I threw, I threw He's putting himself in the field. That's correct. I barely broke eighty, and and I was with the same with Dallas Strawberry. I, I, you're good. You're good with him. Okay. okay. Well, I, well, I feel better now. I, yeah. Let's end the All show. Right. I now, don't know. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't take batting practice with him if I were you. But you got to feel good the way you're throwing. So, okay. So, so how much are pitchers today touched by technology? I think they're they're touched in every single way, from um, pitch tracks and other things that track every single part of their mechanics break down every single second of what they do and they can tweak things as they go along. Um, I think it's I don't think everyone has the mental capacity to be able to take what they see and make it work for them in game. Well, that's it, what that's what practice does. That, it that makes pra- it, it exactly. makes it um, motor it, what's the term um, it's acquired history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just motor, motor memory well, yeah, of yeah, something yeah. you practice. Muscle, muscle memory? Muscle memory. Muscle thank memory. The thing there is that's what you were discussing when you said you're, you're clocking 95. Yeah. And, and someone with the abilities of Daryl Strawberry comes up. He hasn't had the history of going through that and the muscle memory of pitching. He's throwing in a different action. Well, and it's not only that. Uh, you know, if you're a guy who throws 95 and you're a pitcher, you're going to do that. A hundred times. Yeah. Right. You know, right. not not once, not twice. And you hundred times. strengths in particular key muscles. And that's what goes back to the point you were making about bespoke 
conditioning programs for right. certain positions in teams, no matter what. Well, and just a point about you throwing yeah. it a hundred times, and of course, if you're playing right field, you only have to throw that fast. That's right. Some of the time you get the ball, because yeah. it's just got to be runner advancing to a base when the ball is hit to you. You're right. So he, he does it three times a game. You that's, do it a hundred times. That's right. And what, what you were talking about before and how to, how to get your body ready for whatever position you play, it's different for pitchers than players, guys who play every day, is that my body has completely changed from when I was a kid. You know, when I played for the Mets, I had a really big rear end, really big legs, because that's what you worked on in those days, because you were trying to transfer. You still have a big rear end. Oh, okay. thanks. No, no. <laughs> I didn't know you were looking. So, they, well, you hey, Ron Darling got I, that. I don't, I don't even know if it's true, but I think that what you were told is that somehow you're trying to transfer some of that energy that you're putting into your arm and trying to save that mm -hmm. by transferring it to your legs and other places. Well, of course, a batter does that as well. That's if right. you look at a, a, a professional swing, not a little league swing, mm -hmm. the of course, it's not just the bat that's turning, it's the torso is twisting, and the back leg is pushing, and all of these muscles conspire so that you have peak speed and peak force right. right at the contact of the ball. That's right. And you pop the ball 400, 400 feet. That's right. And then, and then that doesn't even include trying to have a swing that the contact meets in such a way that you have backspin on the ball because the backspin is going to keep the ball in the air longer. Right. I mean, it, that's how far the science can go. Right, right. When you, when you talk about technology, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, uh, with respect to equipment, so in football, uh, wide receivers are allowed to wear gloves that are specially designed to help them catch the ball. Basically sticky gloves. Sticky yeah. gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Quarterbacks are able to wear gloves that are specially designed to help them throw the ball. Would you be accepting of that kind of technology coming into mm. baseball? Well, I, I think there are pitchers out there that use um, the combination of the rosin bag. That's what with, that is. With, right? with, with, right. well, I've yeah. heard um, a sun tanning solution uh, that they use. Uh, I, I used to use because um, I figured I got to a point where you I knew where the ball was going. Confess and to us here. Yes. No what one's I listening. Do, I, I wore long sleeves and I would wet the sleeves so that I always had the moisture from the sleeves. Now, um, I, I didn't want the moisture from my forehead or from the back of my neck because it wasn't always the same. But if I wet my sleeve, I was always getting about the same kind of moisture. Is that why and pictures right always touching touch their, their body? body. Yeah, yeah. I never figured that out. They're trying to get, they're trying to get that. That's funny because you see them lift up their cap yeah. and... You know, oh, they're trying it. to get you something on their finger. Yeah, mm. yeah. They actually, and they're taking the moisture off their brow. That's wow, so. What they're doing, wild. of course. So now, maybe I don't know if they thought this through. If you get brow moisture put it on the ball rather than pre-wet sleeves, yeah. then that moisture evaporates and you're left with a salt residue, and that could have an effect on the pitch. I'm that's just right. saying. Wow, that's right. is that that's saying. the case? Yeah. Really? That's yeah. what yeah. you already yeah. knew this. No, I, I, I didn't. I did. I did not know that. Okay, but you know, there was a pitcher in the day. Uh, some of our. Older guests might remember Gaylord Perry, Hall of Famer. Yeah. He was known for cheating all the time. And he threw. He, threw, he wasn't a Yankee, was he? He threw. <laughs> he, he threw. He was at some point, right? Yeah. At, at, uh, he used to throw a spitball. And the way the spitball ball was done, it's hard to show the people who were listening, but most pitches are thrown with the seams or across the, the seams. seams. If you wet your hands enough, a spitball was thrown with no seams, and instead of throwing it with this kind of action... With, you, with a 12 to 6 action. Yeah, you pinched it. And when it pinched, it came out with no spin. And oh. hitters, when hitters see a bit, what they do when they stand in the box, their first thought is, 
is this ball going to hit me in the head? That's your first thought. The second good thought. thought. Second good thought. thought is it's not going to. Third thought is does it have any spin? And the fourth thought is where is it? Because I'm going to put the ball where I think the ball is going to be, not where I know, but where I think the ball. And is for going most of us, be. by the time we have that fourth thought, the ball is already in the <laughs> kitchen. Right. The catcher's yeah, right. or, or it has hit you in the head, <laughs> and you are dreaming the rest of that conversation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> let us put, let us put Ron Darling in 2017. Sure. And give him access. I'm going to put you at the peak of your game, sir. Okay. Right? right at the right top. And give you access to every bit of technology that's available to Major League pitchers now. How much better is Ron Darling in 2017? And, and more importantly, what technology would you want to take advantage of today? Yeah. Well, I, I think um, the technology of pitch tracks, I'd like to know how far my balls, uh, um, the baseball is traveling. I would like to see how far it's staying true in the strike zone, how much movement I do have to uh, two inches. or um, And I think the other thing that I would like to know is this, the mathematical stats of each and every player and their tendencies. Mm, yeah. That, to me, would, would be the greatest gift. So if there's, some, if there's some code... That tells you that that contains a lot of information about that one. Now, generally, you would rely on the catcher to know this. That's yes. why they're telling you what pitch. That's right. So, but if you knew it as well, oh my gosh, that'd be dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to know guy on third, less than two outs. Their slugger is up. He swings at the first pitch seventy eight percent of the time. Wow, that first pitch has got to be a good one then. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 How much better would Ron Darling be in a percentage? Goal? How many? Uh, how many fewer uh, games? One hundred and fifteen <laughs> losses. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it's it's quantifiable? Would it make that much of a difference, or would it be enough to give you the edge you require? I, I think it would. It would make a huge difference if I had the knowledge that you could have today wow. um, did not have before. So we got to start to land this plane. Sure, so I want to ask sure. you some, a quick sort of lightning round here. Okay. Um, who's the best batter you ever faced? Tony Gwynn. Wow. Really? Look at that. Why? Ooh, nice. Why? Yeah, I had uh, 452 off me. I, I, know, uh, I know the number. So... <laughs> You probably know that to even more decimal places. That's right. 452. That's like pi. Yeah. But why was he the best? What made him that special? Uh, any pitch, anywhere he could hit. No way to pitch him. And there was no, uh, there was no key to getting him out. You was just, it just uh, you or did he read every other pitch? You know, uh, I think yeah, he no, won he, no, 12 he, batting titles or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not just, right. don't, see, don't, don't yeah, take yeah. it personally <laughs> no, that he hit 452 I, I don't want to say that. I want to hear the great man himself. <laughs> no, that's, what, that's what I was doing. Okay, there. another quick one. Okay. Um, since you know how to throw the ball, how come pitchers don't make better batters? Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, pitchers don't make better batters because they're considered outliers on the team. No one really considers them part of the team. Very rarely do they get batting practice, especially in my day. So even though I was a good hitter in college, one of the best college hitters of my time, by the time I got to pro baseball, I was not even considered not even a part There's of no the honing. team. Honing is gone. So I went that... 15 years without taking any meaningful batting practice. Okay, okay. And uh, which, uh, what what do the Mets look like this year for the 2017 season? This this is their year. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Okay, and uh, my last question before we wind this up. Uh, it, it, in your book, Game 7, 1986, failure and triumph in the biggest game of my life, what's, what's 
your takeaway, or what's the takeaway you want the reader to get from that? What's the, like, the deepest thing you can share with us? Well, I think for most uh, uh, folks, when they read a sports book, it's about some great accomplishment that happens. Um, for a professional pitcher, being allowed to pitch Game 7 of World Series is the greatest thrill you mm. could ever have. Yeah. But the takeaway on this book is I had that, and I failed. And why did I fail? And I think what happened is after the game was done, and the Mets won, but after the game was done a couple of days later, I said, you know, I was at the top of my game, did not give up an earned run in that series, and I got knocked out in the fourth inning. How did that happen? I thought organically it would go away. 30 years later, you're it still, did not. You're still thinking about it. And that's it. why I wrote it. And as soon as it was finished, I have not thought about that game once since. So it helped. So it was either... $150 on someone's couch, um, write a book, or bourbon, I guess. I've done only, only three choices so, I had. So the, the, so the catharsis did great did wonders for you. It, it, got, yeah. it got me through that the process is, is that when you're playing professional sports, the other guy is really trying to. Yeah. Happens. Wow. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Mm, Very cool. cool. Ron Darling, thanks for being on Playing With Science. This yes. is a blast. Oh my yes. gosh. If you can... Of course, you can find Star Talk on uh, SiriusXM Insight uh, channel, uh, channel 121, I think that is. And we're on every day at 5 o'clock, I think. And uh, playing with science, uh, you can find it at StarTalkRadio.net. Right. And uh, if you support that, we will bring many more of it to you because uh, sports is not only entertaining, but as we have come to know, it can bring some of life's wisdom to us as well. So, Gary... Yes, sir. We're good here. We are good. And I'd like to thank everybody that is in this room right now. And if you have enjoyed what we've done today with Ron Darling and you'd like to explore other sports as well as baseball, please check out Playing With Science. We'd love to have you as listeners. And Chuck, final word. Um, Hey, this is great. And you guys are great. And make sure that you do spread the word. Don't just check out Playing With Science because what we're trying to do is uh, bring science and sports together as, you know, the most awesome mashup ever. Hey, you got sports in my science. Hey, you got science in my sports, you know. So (laughs) it's like the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of of sports. For anyone over 50 who might remember that TV (laughs) commercial. (laughs) 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 But but the fact is, uh, you know, this is a very unique show. And so uh, we need the support of the listeners and we need you to actually um, help promote the show as well. That, mm-hmm. that, that would really, really help us. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and we are signing off here at the Sirius XM Universe Headquarters in New York. 